Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Howdy. It's Alan. Hi, Alan. And uh, we're here for episode 148 of the PBS sponsor, AB Testing Podcast. I'd like you to all uh, just get out your donor cards. Now, this is uh, this is the AB Testing <laughs> Podcast, and uh, you know you never know what kind of intro you're going to get. And I guess most of you listen past the first, you know, most of you fast forward past this part anyway. So whatever, whatever. Episode one forty eight. Yay! Yay! Now, to be clear, because I don't want lawyers contacting us later. We are not actually sponsored by PBS. We are not. We're sponsored by no one. You know, occasionally, occasionally we will do a sponsorship, but somebody we believe in. Although I guess we could have just hidden behind. Oh, no, no, not that PBS. Uh, the other PBS. Oh. Yeah. I'm so confused. That is, so PBS is just an acronym, right? I mean, we could have just made it up. Anyway, never mind. Let's move forward. Hey, what's on the agenda, Alan? Hey, I don't know. Let's figure it out as we go. We're going to do a very agile, emergent, adaptive agenda that I just made up. Yay. Yay. Let's do this. So what? let's start with what's new with you. Wouldn't it be cool if I had a theme song for like, like a, a segment? But this is the what's new with you segment. Yeah, we used to. When did we give it up? Uh, oh, right. COVID, probably. Because remember, we used to have sort of a a made-up segment on where in the world is Alan? Oh, yeah, because I don't go anywhere anymore. I don't. Well, actually, yeah, I don't do conferences, but I have the most massively globally distributed team right now. We just, I can talk about it now because we're going to make the announcement by the time this goes out, but we are moving another large part of Unity into my org. My org... Let me see if I can remember here because we have some one-offs. So right now my org is Seattle, Bellevue, of course, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, Montreal, Boston. I also have some remote folks in Vermont and Colorado and Denver and Pittsburgh in the U.S. I think that covers the U.S. Once we get to Europe, I have Brighton, England. And uh, home of the Ministry of Test. Hey, everybody. And also in Edinburgh, Scotland. And I need to make a map on my wall so I remember. Uh, let me go elsewhere in Europe. Uh, of course, Helsinki, Copenhagen, as I mentioned. Anybody else? I have a one-off person in Belgium. I feel like I'm... Oh, Lithuania, in Vilnius. Uh, all, all places I haven't been in a very long time. And a few places like Lithuania I've never been to. I think maybe that's it for my team. I think maybe that's it. But there may be a few other places. Anyway, that's it. Your team, I believe, well, no, I know this to be true, is is larger than mine, and I believe significantly so. Yeah, we're I, with this new reorg, it's about 200. So you're, you're only one order of magnitude larger than me. Um, but I have... My team of 10 is uh, now in four distinct locations. 
So one one bit of growing pain worth mentioning as part of that is just within because a lot of this growth has happened in the last six months, and for the first time in my since I've realized how important one on ones are, I am now unable to do. You know, up until six months ago, I had regular one on one with every single person in my org. I cannot do that with 200 people, not even close. My schedule will be busy enough just meeting with uh, the leads, the, the people managers across the org, which I find, which I will do that. Those are important. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot of peeps, a lot of things for me to learn and do. Not, I mean, you won't be able to do it at all? No, I'll, because I'll, your I can't meet flat, with right? everyone. I can't do skip level one-on-ones with everyone on a regular basis, but I will spot check in and there's some people I'll meet with. I will figure it out. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's to me, that's meaningful. I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, it is what it is, right? It is. Um, and I can do some things like some, we have a pretty, we do some things to promote transparency. We have every other week, we have a team, all hands. I just call it my team biweekly. And it's all about just transparency, how decisions are being made, just to let them know what's going on. But I could also do some smaller group sort of roundtables. Just to ha- just to have a chance to uh, chat with people, listen to them, see what's on their mind, take questions. There's some things I'll do. I do find a lot of value in having a personal connection with everyone in the org. It's just going to take a while with this rapid growth. Anyway, that's where that's the org stuff. There's some other stuff that's really cool to share that I can't quite share on the podcast yet, but wait till next week. That's the way we get uh, listeners to come back. <laughs> I will have a really cool announcement next week about modern testing. Yeah, the, the cliffhanger is supposed to happen at the end I, of the show. But now you told them. I yeah, already the mentioned show. we don't have a plan. <laughs> already mentioned it. Oh, you know what? In the we're in the world thing, I did agree to do a, a webinar coming up in January. So I have time to prepare for it with our buddies over at practice test. Oh, so I'm going to do that. I don't know what on yet, but I'm going to figure it out. And we're going to figure it out like we always do on this show, but not today. Uh, I do. I think that's it. Any other cool stuff? It's getting cold out, all that stuff. I, I want to talk about Twitter. No, what I want to talk about, I want to get to Twitter first. For those of you that are still addicted to Facebook, it was probably nice having it gone for a day last week. That was cool. And then not cool having it come back. Somebody wrote up, I read an article. It's in my five for Friday. Someone wrote a plugin, a Chrome plugin that deleted that unfollowed everyone by default. And I don't, I deleted my Facebook account quite a while back. Their news feed by people just scrolling through that doom scrolling through Facebook and micropayments makes billions of dollars, but it's all filled with crap. So he wrote a plugin that unfollowed everyone. So your news feed was blank. You could still find your, you could still go to your friend's page and see what they posted. But you just wouldn't go up in your news feed. So you just didn't have a news feed. And Facebook not only made him delete the plugin with a cease and desist, they banned him from Facebook and Instagram for life, which seems like an asshole move. Uh, does his plugin still work? Like, can I go? Uh, yeah, his plugin is gone, but it still works. The zip files are available if you know how to look for archives of things. Gotcha. So you can you can still install it. 
just have to do it manually. You can't do it from the Chrome store. And, and you know, some people go, oh, I need my, I need to see my, my memes telling me why I don't need the vaccine. Well, for you folks, just, I, I, I don't want to go there. So anyway, that happened. And then the Twitch, Twitch, uh, where I actually have an account, but it, I, I think I created it when I was drunk. So it was a username I never used anywhere with a password. I didn't even know. Thank God for password managers. But did you hear what happened to Twitch? No, I did not. Oh my God. Everything got dumped. Source code, payouts, everything as was hackers got the entire like, Oh drag, my God. They drag and dropped everything. All of Twitch's internal shit onto the internet. All kinds of badness. I assume at least the passwords were hashed, but yeah, bad, bad day to be a Twitch employee. And I was going somewhere with that, but I don't remember when, but I do want to talk about Twitter now. So I said Twitter, I thought of Twitch, then it went back to Facebook, all kinds of stuff. There's this agile consultant I follow on Twitter. His name is Alan Holub, and he is a no-nonsense sort of guy. And I, a lot of his stuff is very modern testing-y. I don't think he, some people even bring out modern testing and replies to his tweets. But I don't think he really knows what it is. And that's okay. Cause again, we're not trying to sell or make a new thing that people can think about. We're just trying to find a way to describe some things that are already happening. So he had one today. No, la, no, two days ago. The notion of testers not being devs is odd to me. Testing must be automated. Can you see the triggers for people? Uh, mm-hmm. Isn't writing an automated test coding? Somebody who can't code can't create tests at all. If they can code up a test, they can code up anything. There are no testers, just devs who understand testing. Okay, that's uh, that stirs it up better than we do, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, so we want to inspire a conversation. Like, it, there's, there's nothing to what he said. To me... I'll put it this way. No, because uh, we're recording, so I can't put it that way. There is an element that we constantly, like in terms of traditional testing, that is still holding on with white knuckles. A little right? bit, a little bit, yeah. I mean, actually, is, a lot bit. There is a, I'll say, a a hype, a hyperbole ridden, highly vocal element of leadership in the traditional uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. mentality. Alan kind of, in terms of what you just read, it kind of reads like that same sort of assertiveness on and in a modern testing side as yeah, well. Yeah, and I want to read a couple of the replies because they reek of, these are, what I like about it is it reeks of modern testing without these people knowing what modern testing is. And more and more, again, back at Test Bash, when we first finished the principles, I talked about them, I was worried people said, Oh my God, you have a name for what we're already doing. I had a feeling we just didn't know, but more and more it's happening. And unfortunately people needed to hear that to listen to our podcast. But one of the first replies on that was someone saying, I literally had this conversation yesterday asking to replace the expected testimer in, in our headcount estimate for, for our project team with a dev with automated test experience, which is what I would rather hire anyway. Anyway, a, b- a bunch of, a bunch of nuggets. And I found the thread. Like he's, I don't read my p- people probably know that or have noticed I'm not on Twitter as much these days, but someone tagged me into one of into this thread somewhere, some other thread bringing up modern testing. And 
it's worth checking out. And of course, as you imagine, someone jumped in and talked about checks and his answer. Oh, I was about to ask. And his answer was, as as you'd expect from anyone experienced in the industry who didn't go, isn't part of that doctrination, he said, WTF for those. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What? Yeah. You're enough enough, enough on that subject. I, I get why the distinctions there. I think people are using it as a weird weapon to, to gatekeep. And that's stupid. I, I like seeing modern testing in the wild. I, I didn't find his exact thread. I found the, the comment that you're talk, talk about, but yeah, there's a lot of, I'll just say it the last for lack of a better word, just glancing through his Twitter feed, there's a lot of um, me too isms that are that are rising for me. Over reliance on manual testing is a symptom of culture smell. I, 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 I totally agree with that. I totally do too. I am part of an org where despite having dedicated estets, the entire org uh, would Do you remember when we thought that was a good idea? At the time, I guess in the context of our ship cycle, and the way we made software, it was because we had the test quality in. But to see it today, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't to me. Orgs, uh, this person who wrote this tweet today say that a term I haven't thought of in years, like their whole org of 190 people, including a dedicated team of estets. We'll do a test bash. And I'm like, wow. It doesn't mention what industry they're in. There are certainly places where, uh, oh, it's funny. So one person came back. He's like, thanks, dude. Replied to that tweet. Thanks. I'm now having PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that that's in alignment to what I'm to what I'm thinking of. Yeah, this guy, this guy seems in alignment with I, I completely agree. The, yeah. But there's a lot of people. <laughs> he's he's like the meaner version of me. I'm going to read you one more. Then I want to talk about why I think this is important. This is happening. Just realize that there is a point of misunderstanding regarding testing. I am not talking about UI automation when I talk about automated testing. Selenium is a disaster. I'm talking <laughs> about tests run automatically by the CICD system run without human intervention. And again, this is the whole me saying something like that is what got Jason on our podcast. And and I think we actually reached a weird place of agreement where Selenium is a it's a blessing and a curse. It works. And the reason we need to use it is because reason, not we, the reason teams often need to use it is because one and most importantly, their application, their web app, their testing has been architected and designed so poorly that UI automation is the only place they have to test it. The developers are working so fast and are counting on a test team to test their stuff. So people have to use selectors from hell, trademark, in order to make their goofy automation work. So the, the tool is fine. The work is... The, I, I commend Jason and everybody that's worked on WebDriver to make it work over time. As I've said before, I think the no-code UA automation tools are much better for that because it just doesn't, I wouldn't put as much effort into that. Rehashing stuff I've said before, I try and say it nicely. He just gets right to the point and I kind of like it. Yeah, I I do too. The one thing 
like that you were just talking about that reminded me of um, systems theory, something we're fond of, right? Mm-hmm. The One of the problems, though, with systems theory is that there's actually a theory uh, within systems theory and that as you change the system to to actually solve a problem uh, and i'm forgetting i'm paraphrasing of course uh, but that the the number of problems stays constant so so for example i'll, I'll give you a favorite example email right when when email first got constructed it solved the problem of communication uh, between in or reducing the calendar time between communication on individuals, right? That was fantastic. But now everybody and their brother send me communication. So previously, previously it was a uh, snail mail and the stamp was a good filter to prevent people from trying to contact me. You know, certain people I don't really care to or, or, Right now, I, I'm thinking about all the slews of people that uh, keep trying to come and bring me more work. Email solved a problem, but then it, it constructed a whole new problem because email was successful in solving the problem it was intended to solve. And to me, like the example that we were just talking about um, is related to that. I, I'm reading one of his tweets now. I'm, I'm a change the topic the well kind of well i I have a i have a a tangential topic after this as well but you can go ahead go ahead do you you? so here's a question i'm i'm thinking of it that he asked he asked the question is there an adjective to put in front of the word test that describes all testing except exploratory and usability testing and i'm guessing he's in response to like the yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's going on there. So yeah, the word "test" evidently doesn't mean "test" anymore. <laughs> well, it, it unfortunately it doesn't in a, in a in a small part of the community and whatever. But my big realization, I followed him for a while, but just this, these threads over the last couple of days, like, oh my god, he is he is modern testing incarnate, and he doesn't know anything about modern testing, which is great. Which, again, gets me to the fact that if and when I, I'm, of course, I'm doing a webinar for practice test, I'm trying to figure out the right way to talk about modern testing with a non-testing audience. For example, he speaks at a lot of architecture conferences. If I'm at an architecture conference or a, a DevOps conference or an infrastructure conference, part of me thinks that, like, There'll be such does like, why'd you put a name on something we already know if we talk about modern testing, that it would be the wrong topic, that maybe it's an aside. I'm just trying to figure out how to, when I read his tweets and and see tweets like this, what I think is, and what I always think, it's not like I want to have 10,000 listeners for the podcast, but I think there are people that do not know about our podcast that could listen to us. Let's do this. I don't know the answer. Listeners do this. Talk about the podcast with people who aren't testers and see what they think. See if they want to check it out. Give us reviews and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's that's the sort of thing. I'm realizing that with modern testing, that there's just more and more things that are happening that are modern testing without knowing about modern testing, which is really, really cool. And I want to see more of that. Oh, I love this guy. 
Uh, so there, he has a tweet a while back where he takes a nice dig on safe. So uh, just just keep that in mind, too. So there, we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. And I just tweaked my cable. Yeah, it, I was leaning back and my camera cable the, fell the, off this the should, back. This should have been a YouTube broadcast, but oh well. Yeah. So tell me what you think of this phrase. He says, knowing already up front, manual testing for final release is usually a Band-Aid over bad architecture. I have yet to see a situation where people claim that manual testing was indispensable, where you couldn't change the architect to support automated testing inside the CICD pipeline. So going back to your other thing, going back to your last thing, how, you know, how would you, how would you, in, how would you reach the, the dev audience with this modern testing concept? Yeah, what I'm trying to decide is whether they need, you know what the devs that need to hear this are not this guy. It's the devs that think they need a test team in order to deliver. It's the developers who do not think they have the knowledge or the permission to test their product. Yeah. I'm, I'm remembering back to the episode we did several years ago. Oh yeah. Good old episode 30, 70 something. Are you being snarky or do you actually? No, totally snarky. All right. The one at uh, Evan's company. Oh, at Redfin. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I knew it was red something, but I kept on going. AB testing live from the Redfin auditorium. Right. And, And for some reason, my head couldn't let go that the name of the company was Red Zillow, even though I knew like there's no company <laughs> called Red Zillow. Okay. There Redfin. is Revzilla they, who sells motorcycle equipment. But anyway, go on. Redfin. Right. Evan. The audience, the audience, the audience you would need to reach is exactly that. It, and we like that was that company at that time. They had separate dev and tests. And what we wanted to do was speak to the dev. Because and I actually I think that's a really smart idea because if there is a way that we could reach that crowd and convert them, because a lot of the times we hear that a lot of, that a lot, like modern testing resonates with a lot of testers, right? A lot of them. The reality is most, from my experience, most test teams as an organization is, is low man on the discipline pole, yeah. right? It, they, they, they often do not have, it's not entirely the case, but they often do not have the political clout to initiate change. Dev uh, is at the top of it. How do you influence those folks? I've come up with a lot of techniques as have you around basically forcing functions to do this. Uh, but my techniques have, have relied on me knowing full well what power I had. For example, I know I own the, I own the resource allocation of the, the people on my team. All right. You don't want to play ball with modern testing. Guess who just, who just lost all of their testers, right? <laughs> so let me, I, I have a, I have a thought exercise. It's going to take yeah. a little bit of time here. There's a good segue here. So when we wrote the modern testing principles, and honestly, it still kind of blows me away that uh, one, 
I was inspired to do so in the first place, to make the draft in the first place. But how little they've changed, we thought maybe we'd modify more, but also how often they're referred to. But we wrote them for testers. The audience of the modern testing principles were testers. Yep. And I want to look at these one by one. And I'm curious if there's a rewording we would do for developers. So for number one, I think it stays the same. Our priority is improving the business. Yes. That's good. That's good for anyone. That's not tester centric. The next one is we accelerate the team and use models, blah, 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 to identify our prioritize and mitigate bottlenecks in the system. Who's we in this case? Is it everyone? Who's, Who's the we in that sentence? We were, when we wrote it, we were targeting testers. That's what I just said. Yes, but as written, does it tar- does it target the whole team now, or would we tweak? I'm not saying we're going to change these, but it would we tweak words if these were for developers? Yeah. So, so I put my my old dev hat on, right, and and that was like my my what I drew from to help craft these. Right. And I would say, oh, yeah, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. My my team did. That accelerate in principle, too, came from accelerate the the shipment of the the relationship of quality. Right. Achievement of quality. So I wonder if I'm not going to try and get these perfect, but if we just said we use models like lean thinking, blah, blah, blah then that can become the whole team a little easier. Let me look. No, at no, but, but okay. that statement, that statement is true. Period. Whole okay. team. Okay. Dev test PM. That, ta- that yeah, statement. Maybe you're right. I think, let me look at the next one. I, I think you're right. We are a force for continuous improvement, helping the team adapt and optimize in order to succeed. This one's a little interesting. There's a, we, then there's helping the team. So we are helping the team. So if the team is we, that reads weird. Well, maybe, because I don't think it's a separation. I think, no, I think, what if we change the to our? We're a force for continuous improvement, helping our team adapt and optimize in order to succeed, rather than providing a safety net to catch failures. Again, that clause at the end, that's about testers. Yes. So if we said something like, we are a force for continuous improvement, Helping the helping our team adapt and optimize in order to succeed, rather than relying on safety nets to catch features. Uh, I would even say even more proactively, something along the lines of actively removing safety nets. Oh yeah, and right now people are freaking out. Don't change the principles, and we're not <laughs> going to right away, but. This is something I've thought about for a while and it dovetails in here. I want it to be. I'm going to be like, I've gone on these adventures with Alan in the past. Just be absolutely clear. We are on path to change the principles. This is, it's an unavoidable path. It is going to happen. I cannot tell you when, but it's happening. The three will speak. (laughs) And I got to say, if you're on my team listening to this, this is the way I do things. I, I don't dictate change. I put the wheels in motion for change to happen. And I'll do that a lot. I don't 
Like I don't make very many decisions for my team. I've had this discussion before, but I make sure we have the right discussion so they figure out what change needs to happen. So, okay. Yeah. So let me tell you, putting my dev head on and rereading this again, like previously I was, I was doing modern test manager versus traditional test manager when we did this. Yes, of course. Now putting on, you know, manager of a dev team where I did not have a test team that was successful. What did we do? Right. And this one was about number one, the lean principle known as optimize the whole. Yes. In other words, you don't try to optimize what does it take to get to, to co-complete? And then what is it, what does it take to get the test complete? Of course. You optimize the whole system and that, which is how do we release this whole thing into end the fastest? Cause that that's what, that's how you get the, the trade-off discussions between things. Yeah. yeah. So the safety net is to catch failures, right? This is the old school mentality around everything must be that if you're not trying to prevent things, you're doing things wrong. Whereas a lot of the times, as we've discussed, CICD or uh, flighting systems with uh, an appropriate uh, flight controller that evaluates risk before going out more and more broadly, these are actually better systems to, to help you avoid waste. <laughs> now I'm looking at, so when I look at this, the other thing I see that's in this is, is an element of learning slash scaling. If there's a focus on the end goal KPIs, not the intermediary ones, that's what we're trying to improve. And then there's a focus on helping the whole team learn what the whole team needs to learn, mm -hmm. right? So to me, it also kind of kills siloism. Yeah, as written, there's a little bit of us and them in the principles, which I don't think is the right thing for the long term. I want to read the next one to you in yep. the new form, in a potential, there's a draft, <laughs> we care uh, deeply about the quality culture of our team and we coach lead and nurture each other towards a more mature quality culture. I replaced the team with each other. No, I like, I like that algorithm already. Cause again, that's around, there's two aspects of, of that. Now it's around I don't know if you if I've ever walked you through when I'm doing a kickoff for Agile, right? When I'm when a team's asked me to come and teach them Agile, it, it hasn't happened in years. But one of the things I I describe is actually Agile is a team sport. It's yes. closer to soccer. Uh, Golazo, right? It's closer to soccer in my mind than it is rugby. Right in in soccer, and I think I've told you this. Yeah, we've I don't talked know about I, this. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on huge the, on, on the, the whole soccer strategy thing. We've talked about this. Yeah, well, but so, not on air. Maybe go ahead. Yeah, I'll just say years ago, uh, I had an employee that was in a a competitive corporate league. Okay, and they got to play at what was then called CenturyLink Field, and it's now called Lumen Field. 
yeah, the Seahawks Stadium, whatever. <laughs> um, Lumen Field. S- Sounders play there too. Anyway, go on. <laughs> um, it was interesting because that was the first time I had ever been in the f- been in that stadium where you could actually hear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and I could hear the chatter on the field. And what I really walked away with, and I pay, paid attention to this even uh, like when I watch TV games, I'm like, okay, are they, can I tell that the players are talking? The answer is yes. Yes. In, in the soccer, the teams are very clear on the goals. And when they need to be defensive, they all shift to defense. When they, when they have an advantage and they can get to the goal, an appropriate number, you know, shift towards offense while still doing risk mitigation. Like I could look at a soccer game and watch the game and describe it in terms of software development. Sure, sure. And actually, I would say, I mean, one thing is very true is a soccer team is made up of a group of specializing generalists or generalizing specialists. Yes, they have some things they're good at and people are put in a position where they can be uh, most effective. But some players, there are some utility players on every team in the world who can play multiple positions well. It's about knowing the role you're supposed to play and applying the skills you have towards the success of that role. The other parallel I like in this is if you watch, I've played a goalkeeper quite a bit, even though I'm not very tall and I'm old, but one thing I like about that is you see everything in front of you and you do, you do a lot of directing. You do a lot of eyes for everybody. And that's where a lot of the defensive communication starts. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing I found just most notable is how audible the team players were. Oh yeah. yeah. When I was younger, you know, whatever it was, fifth grade or whatever played soccer in a league like there wasn't anywhere like this type of talking whereas at that level the teams are covering each other they they say they know exactly when to hand off they tell they they are are looking out for each other when they're under threat like you know someone is coming up from behind and about to try to take the ball right that is what I see, what I think about when I read your, or when I think about your replacement for principle four. The only thing I'm thinking about though, is when we go and talk to a dev team, is quality the right term? I I think so. It's, I only, I can't think of a better one. I think of, you know, this is all around the quality culture transition guide. The, the, so the I'm one thinking, problem, I, I can't, I don't think of a better word there. Well, if I were to, we deeply care about the culture of our team. We care, lead and mature each other towards a mature culture. Now, the way I just said it, I'm sure you have no doubt will agree with it. The difference between the two is whether or not it's important. Because if you remove col- if you remove quality, then you're kind of let talking me, about how well people work together. Let, let me let me phrase it differently and see and and totally okay. change the meaning. 
We care deeply about the quality of our product and we coach, lead, and nurture each other towards a more mature culture. That doesn't make sense that way. Do we focus on the quality product or the quality of the way we make it? What is, as written originally, it's about the way we make it and assuming that'll get to an output that's high quality. No, I like how you, I like, I like where you're going with that rephrasing. But if we were to do that, then I would want to swap principle four and five. Okay. Uh, I, I want to move on because we're going to have to talk a lot about seven. Yeah. Five and six, ship them as is. We believe the customer is the only one capable of judging and evaluate the quality of our product. That's actually perfect already. As much yep. as it pisses people off who are, they don't get it. And number six, we use data extensively to deeply understand customer usage and then close the gaps between product hypothesis and business impact. Ship it as is. No need for a change. Yep. And then the next one is definitely a we, us, and them thing that I'm going to have to think here for a minute on how to how we rephrase this. We expand testing abilities and know-how across the team, understanding that this may reduce or eliminate the need for a dedicated testing specialist. This one's all for, we wrote it for the testers. What would this, how would we rephrase this written for a more generic team audience? Well, so... Because this is all, what this is saying in a nutshell is that everyone knows how to test and, and, and gets and gets better at it all the time. What we, is we your, give a shit about testing. What is your simple, because I know we had different versions. Uh, you, what is your like two or three word um, encapsulation of principle seven? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Everybody tests. Every okay, that doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry, man. No, no. So, so okay. Number one, we can fix the first part of of this by just getting rid of the word testing. Is this really just without the word testing in there? Is that is it about being a learning organization? That this is yeah. How about we expand abilities and know how across the team? Understanding this may reduce or eliminate the need for specialists. For for a dedicated specialist. That may work. Yeah. Hmm. That was much, much easier than I thought it would be. The wheels are spinning. And again, the audience is going, no, change the principles. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's worth talking about. I think. Well, so now what do we call it? Right? I don't know. It, it, the, <laughs> I've got to change the name of the podcast. And <laughs> pretty soon, it's like, I don't know what's going on. But I, yeah, I didn't know we were going to talk about this when we started, but it's something that I've been thinking about subconsciously, apparently, for a while. And because I can tell just by talking through it, I go, oh, now it's these words like, how do we get to more of the people that need to hear us. And we've preached to testers for a long time, but having the realization that we need to, I would like to find a way to get this information in front of the developers that know that. And again, if I've said before, it's not just telling developers they have to test. Often that approach, they just get mad and say, I I need a test or I don't want to test. But what I've learned more and more is Again, this is extrapolated. I'll get to my point. It's extrapolated by the fact, exasperated, sorry, by the fact that 
people still insist that testing is a very special thing that only specialists can do. And to be clear, some there is room for anyway, I'm not going to go on the tangent. No, and 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 we talked about it here and I Yeah, yeah. I think but, I think it was it was my second to last blog post where where I talk about essentially except in a very rare situation i'm now of the view that specialization does not make sense in software development yeah i i totally agree and the point that i failed to get to that's all my fault not yours i'll take i'll take i'll take the blame on that one is that we just need to tell developers they need to give we need to give them permission to test and tell them that they can actually do it it's something that's within their realm They've been told for so long that we need testing specialists to do testing, and we've created that codependency that it's those folks that feel like that that I think need to see this potentially up-and-coming slight revision of the modern testing principles. Let me... We have a few minutes. Yeah, and I have one other quick story to share at the end about a podcast I listened to today, but so go ahead and go on and, and do your few-minute thing. Okay, so I am now going to share with you the safe principles. Oh, God. Yep. Be prepared. Oh, these are actually similar and they're well, shaped. Look at, yeah, I, I think it's kind of nerdy that they did that. But number one, take an economic view. Uh, our priority is the business. Cool. Got it. Yep. Number two, apply systems thinking. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that one before. Okay, now. Hey, when did these come out? Did they steal our shit? The article, I don't know. Okay, anyway. Yeah, they obviously have more. Assume variability, preserve options. That's an agile thing that we didn't cover, but yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to yep. go with that. Build incrementally with fast integrated learning cycles. All right. Base milestones on objective evaluation of working systems. Okay, whatever. I, I would, I, I would, yep. I would nix that one, but whatever. I, I would have so far. I would probably cut number three and number five. <laughs> the, the two that don't match up to MT principles. Cool. Gotcha. Go on. <laughs> well, yeah. Although I think this one, I don't think we cover number six. Visualize and limit WIP. Reduce reduce batch sizes and manage queue lengths. Yeah, but our intention was that, and I totally agree with. That. I don't disagree with that at all. But our yeah. intention was not to talk about the basics of agile. So it's more of the approach. But yeah, I get I get why it's there. I I think we, I think we've collapsed that. Like in the principle, what is it? Two the theories of constraints, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Apply cadence and synchronize with cross-domain planning. Um, uh, cut. It, that would be cut. It's important to uh, be cut. Okay. Unlock the intrinsic motivation of knowledge workers. Oh, my God, do I love that one. And we, we have things that touch on it, but not exactly what that is saying. Decentralized decision-making. Right? We, don't, we don't even touch that. Right. And then organize around value. Now I'll tell you, organize around value is is it's specifically talking around literally a reorganization. Uh, but having gone through it, I will tell you that that principle is starting off with principle five. 
it's starting off with principle five and going even further saying you should also organize your teams around that. Yeah. Okay. Tell your story. Okay. Quick story. And then when I got to go out of time here, actually I got, I got two minutes. So I was listening to the knowledge project podcast and this time it's Walter Isaacson who's written a bunch of stuff. He's super, super smart, but he was talking about Steve jobs and Steve jobs started using this word impute. And you know what impute means? Of course I do. I'm a data scientist. Okay. Okay. So he started using it a lot and he wanted like the reason when the iPod first came out, it it had, it wasn't just the iPod. That was this thing you wanted in your dreams. It was it, the packaging and Apple products, even going back to the Mac. So he's got a new Mac a while back. They spend a lot of time on their packaging and money on the packaging because they want to impute on you that this whole thing is high quality awesomeness. And he talked about a couple other examples and he goes, and then he says, and then when you look at something like Microsoft Teams, they also impute and they impute that you want a horrible user experience where you can't figure out how to do anything. And it just cracked me up. He totally, in his eloquent way, just totally dug on Teams. So I thought that was thought that was just fun. I like uh, little bashes on, on the old team. <laughs> okay. So that was my little story there. So. If you want to find out more about this podcast, you can join one of the three .com. Just go to moderntesting.org and you get an invitation. We have about 750 members of the three there right now, maybe a few more. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Alan Page. Brent is Brent M. Jensen. Uh, we look forward to seeing you all soon. So anything else, Brent? No, we're all good. Right. Till next time. All right. Thank say goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.